We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Greetings, my friends and my fellow pedestrian active persons. You've now wonderfully and wisely passed into the digital portal that we call the Run ATL Podcast. We are broadcasting from the capital of the South, and I am your host, Mike Cosentino. But we are not alone. No, we are joined by the full complement of resources from our partner, Big Peach Running Company. And of course, I have my fabulous and fearless co-host and executive producer with me. His name is Dolomite Dave, and he joins us right now. Hello, D2. Hello, how's it going? It is going great, and we have a chocked full episode here in our eighth installment of the Run ATL podcast, so we cannot delay. We must get right to it. We have important work to do. So first, our featured conversation today. We have, as you of course know, John and Abby Keenan, who are sports psychology consultants from Intrepid Performance. This is really, really cool. This is a conversation that I am so excited about. And and, and as you know, D2, you are going to get behind this because you brought this to this. I, full acknowledgement, had not met John or Abby prior to our taping, but you had. You had met them and you had seen them in action. And I and I got the impression that you just knew there was a real richness that we could bring to our audience that, of course, is highly motivated. They're very performance-minded. They are always improvement-focused. And I think you just felt like they would connect with our audience. So maybe give everyone a better idea as to what you saw that first time that you met them, or maybe as you've gotten to know them, why you felt like this would be such good stuff for me and for the rest. So, uh, yeah, I met uh, Abby and John. You know, they were doing a clinic at one of our locations and got to see them and go through a couple of these mental skills uh, type of training. And it was also at the same time that I was doing some Ironman training. And uh, oh, for me, excellent. yeah, for me, it was one of those things that I found myself, you know, really you know, training by myself. So I'm doing these long runs and I'm run, riding, you know, in, anywhere from 80 to 100 miles you know, mm. by myself. And when you start doing that, you really need to kind of see, you know, you're going to hit these lows, you know, whether it's, you know, through training or even in a race. So for me, I needed to know that mentally you had to, uh, you know, get stronger in order to push those distances, especially when you're out there by yourself, when you have no support and it's just you out there on, on, on a lonely <laughs> road done. and, you know, you run into problems where it's a mechanical or whether it's a nutritional or something. And at the same time, I was reading a book by uh, Chrissy Wellington. And for those that don't know, Chrissy Wellington is a four-time Ironman world champion, um, she's been undefeated at the Iron, Ironman distance, and she wrote a book called A Life Without Limits, A, a World Champion's Journey. And one of the quotes that I still remember to this day um, is, it, and, it, and I'm paraphrasing, is, if you train the body, why not train the mind? And for me, that's always been something that, you know, you're going to be out in these long distance races, or even if it's a short distance, you're going to suffer at some point. There's going to be doubt. 
And you have to overcome that. And the only way of overcoming that is you have to train uh, the mind. And that's why I think for anyone, regardless of whether it's a 5K or an ultra distance, we all have these doubts. We all have these things that, you know, we either don't see in ourselves or some mental obstacles that, that we need to get over to achieve that goal of crossing that finish line. And for me, you know, success isn't always about a time. It's more about overcoming those challenges and overcoming those obstacles and meeting that goal. And uh, we all go through it. We all struggle at some point or another. And I think it's relatable just to um, our everyday lives, whether it's you know a relationship, whether it's an illness in the family. We all come across these challenges and these obstacles in our life. And I think you know these type of races, these longer races especially, are a metaphor for life. That, that is terrific. That's a great a great setup and obviously a personal consideration for you when you first thought about just being more mindful of what was going on in your mind and, and maybe to prime everyone even more for these special guests. It's, it's worth knowing that Abby is also a competitive runner and swimmer herself in addition to working with, with athletes from so many sports, not just running. For, in fact, she has put her performance psychology acumen to work in places like Fort Bragg for the U.S. Army with special operations soldiers. She's also an adjunct faculty member at John Kennedy University working with graduate students in their sports psychology program. And her husband, her husband John, he'll join us too. He's no less impressive. He's a success coach at Florida State University, and he also has worked with the U.S. Army, primarily in airborne operations, including air assault teams, jump masters, and rangers. He's a master resilience trainer. He's a certified USA track and field level one performance coach. He's a former NCAA Division I cross country and track and field athlete. So this tandem, this tandem is legit. D2 has brought us Good stuff. I know we're going to have meaningful and certainly helpful dialogue in this featured conversation. It's not all we're going to do today. We're also going to have a podcast payout. We got a terrific question, super relevant now that we're into August about heat training. We'll take that on in this episode. But first, give us a break. We'll take a quick break. But when we come back, our featured conversation with John and Abby Keenan of Intrepid Performance. So stay locked in, my friends. The Run ATL podcast will be right back. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Njinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles? It doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. So welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. We said in our intro that we had a special treat and D2, that is so true. That is not fake news. And of course, we now in studio have John and Abby Keenan and the two of y'all, we are really thrilled to have you. And, and part of it, quite frankly, very selfishly is for me. 
I know that I personally will learn a lot in this conversation. I think it's really, really cool when we can let our audience kind of listen in on what D2 and I are learning kind of along the way. So I think that'll happen a lot. But thank you so much for being part of this. Thank oh. you for having us. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you, guys. It is. It is our pleasure. And, and, and one of the reasons that we're also excited about this, this is a good time to talk about this. In fact, we were talking before we fired up the mic, kids are going back to school right now. That's part of your clientele. Fall races are just around the corner. I know there are plenty of people, if they've already signed up for a half marathon or are thinking about a fall full or half marathon, it is time to get started with their training. So I think the timing is perfect to have this kind of conversation. And so we're gonna, we're gonna start from the beginning. Your website, your website does a terrific job of defining sports psychology training as, and here's the first quote, systematically changing habits and using mental skills to get to the next level of human performance, end quote. And I think there are probably a lot of us that immediately would say, wow, that that is terrific. I could use that. Maybe not just in my athletic pursuits, but all around. So let's, let's open this up right away. Let's not delay. If we have someone who is on telling us how we can get better at training for our half marathon or maybe learning how to do the triple jump or, or train for a particular time, whether it's swimming or running or anything else they might do, we couldn't expect them to give us everything that we need in 30 minutes. We're not gonna ask you guys to do that for us either. But what we are gonna do is ask you to say, hey, listen, if you're thinking about the importance, and I believe it has to be important, of what might just be that sports psychology training, there might be a place to begin. Where is it? Where would that place be? And treat me as a second grader, a total novice. I am that case study. Where should I begin if I start to begin to take sports psychology training more seriously? Well, first of all, second graders probably not going to benefit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a leg up on some. All right, got excellent. It. Yeah, so you got it. No, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think folks, sports psychology is a field that's been around for decades, but shockingly enough, most people still know nothing about it. Um, so I think if you're in that boat, you're in good company. Okay. And really with this, the best place to begin is with you. So if you're listening to this or you guys as we're having this conversation, starting to build some self-awareness. That's really the first step to this entire process if you're even remotely interested in sports psychology and what it could offer you in your sport. So I think, I think that's worth pulling out, self-awareness. So that's the first thing, and I don't know that I've ever said that to myself, whether it's just when I wake up on a brand new day or when I'm in the midst or right after a workout. Self-awareness, okay, great place to start. Yeah. What else? So, well, I'll give you an example of that so that people kind of understand what what that would entail necessarily. Okay, so um, I, like you had mentioned, I was a swimmer. I am a somewhat competitive runner, but I didn't start running until college. And let's be honest, when I started, I literally had no clue what I was doing. Yep. So I knew a couple of things. I loved trail running over road running, first and foremost. Um, I had to listen to music at all costs. There was, <laughs> if I went out on a run without music, I was, I was, whew, it was a bad scenario. Um, and I really wasn't competitive, so I had no clue what it meant to run a 5K or a half marathon or anything of that sort. So if that sounds like you, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, for those who are listening. I would venture to say there are a okay. lot of people out there just hearing you talk about knowing your preferences yep. for running, mm -hmm. appreciating music or some kind of diversion sometimes. Exactly. We don't want to hear our own heavy breathing or we just <laughs> want that opportunity to disconnect. So I think I think you're absolutely right, Abby. There are plenty of people out there that can relate to where you were. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. Well, hope so. And if that's you, you know, the self-awareness piece is just starting to think more about that. So why is it that I have to 
run with music? What does that do for me? Why is it that I prefer trails over roads or, or whatever the case may be for you? What am I thinking about before, during, and after my runs? Is that helping me? Is it hurting me? Is it doing literally nothing, which is probably not the case. So starting to gain some awareness of what these patterns are. So not just a one-time occurrence, but what are those patterns or particular things that happen over and over, and over again related to the mental component of running for you. So asking yourself question, I'll put you on the spot D2, is that something that, that you do historically or perhaps regularly now? Because I know I don't, but I think it's such a great idea and I can already say I'm gonna take something immediately away from this and apply it almost as quickly. No, I mean, I can't say that I've ever, had, at least starting out, that I ever was that self-aware. I know that I was very much like a lot of, of runners who I'm like, I got to run with music. Otherwise, I just can't get through my mileage. And eventually, I, I, I started running without music only because I got into triathlons and they're very strict about right. running yep. with, with music. So I was like, if I'm going to run or, or do a half Ironman or a full Ironman, I better train myself to run without music because I'm not going to have that ability when race day comes. Which is smart. <laughs> right. So that's not so much self-awareness as much as it is just kind of compliance, right? But self-awareness is great. So that's the place to start. And some of those questions that you asked were individual to you. Why do I like trail running? Why do I need to listen to my music? So asking those individual questions is okay, it sounds like. What I ask myself may be different than what D2 does or another client you have. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, the, the fundamental point that we're trying to get at here is that you can't change yourself until you know yourself, right? So it's wow. really important that to- That is a big statement. Yeah. You cannot change yourself Say it again for me, please, Abby. You can't change yourself until you know yourself. That's big. Yeah. So that's really the, the starting point of where we encourage everyone to kind of have as their kickoff and getting familiarized because the, the fundamental basis of sports psychology training is your thoughts. Um, so that's really what we would recommend to start with. Wow. And, and I'm going to say it again. And now that you've said it twice, you cannot change yourself until you know yourself. Wow, very, very cool. Okay, so kind of along those lines and things we just absolutely need to know, we're at the beginning, we've got this charge to be more self-aware. What are things that we just have to admit we either have to do or stop doing? Maybe the non-negotiables. If we are going to begin to take sports psychology training a little bit more or much more seriously. Yeah, non-negotiables are, are absolutely part of and something you need to incorporate in your training, but we're talking about running, let's let's break it into a running analogy, right? So just like in running, if you wanna do that marathon, that 5K, you have to commit to the process, right? You're not just opening the door and dropping into a 26.2 miles. You're just not gonna do that, right? So there's a process involved in sports psychology training too, and you have to connect yourself to it. Understand that there's a trial and error to, just like in your training, right? There's a trial and error to the skills that you're going to apply to your mind, right? So thinking about, I like to think about when I'm at the starting line of a race and you look around and everybody's got something different on, yep. right? Even just physical sure. gear, you got your singlets, your short sleeves, your splits, split shorts, your long shorts, heavy trainers, lightweight tr racers, headphones, smart watches, no watches. All of that happened because those people chose them after trial and error. I think we all have enough experience in sport to know that you put on that particular shirt, you're in for a bad time, right? Just the way your body meshes with it, right? The way that shoe makes you feel 
can be the good or bad of a run, the same thing's going to happen in your sports psychology training. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here for a second because yeah. I think sometimes whether it's the gear or for me who maybe is a real novice, admittedly in sports psychology training, sometimes it's the midst of the trial. Not everybody shows up at the starting line saying, these are choices that I've made because of the trials mm -hmm. that I've had. They're in the midst of it. Sure. It may be that race I learned, this is not the right pair of shoes for me, or mm -hmm. I don't need to wear this particular piece of equipment in this temperature or on this day. Yes. So now for those of us who are committing to the trial. Yes. What are some other things that we should be mindful of because yeah. the trial has begun? Trial's begun, good. So let's take note of what's working and what's not working. That's a big piece. Take note, okay. Take note, right? Just like that awareness piece, now we know what's pushing you forward versus what's holding you back. Then it's about the goal. Where are you pushing forward to? What are you working towards? We wanna connect as consultants to your goal in sport or in life and help you get there. So let's talk about that take note because I think that's huge. Yeah. Is that a mental note? It's not physically a note that they're necessarily taking. I asked myself this question at minute number six or at mile number six. Is it taking physical notes immediately upon completion? Is it thinking about it the next day? What, when you say take note, how are those notes most successfully taken? I think at the beginning level, I think physical notes would, would probably be your best bet. Our memories are only so strong. How many times have you forget in your shopping list, right? Well, and I know both of you work with all kinds of athletes. Yeah. And you thankfully already, maybe knowing you're on the run ATL podcast, <laughs> have kind of connected this to a running example, being at the beginning of a race. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of tease that example out even further so we can talk about those who are living a pedestrian active lifestyle. Is a running log or a running journal, and there are plenty of digital versions that are out there right now that say, well, this is the date. This is how far I ran. This is where I ran. This is how I felt. This is what I thought. Is a running log as long ago as it might have been that people actually wrote that type of thing out or now type it into their app or their smartphone or wherever? Is that the type of take note you mean? It can be. It Absolutely. Can be. Having, having some sort of journal, some log that you're keeping track of the things that are working versus not working. And even making note of those things that don't work is important, right? So a lot of the runners that I'll work with, I'll have them put, just like you said, the shoes they wore, the mileage they're running, how they physically felt, but then the mental aspect of that experience. Tell me about what happened during that experience between the years. Excellent. Okay, so continue yeah. to think about walkers and runners and knowing how many different types of athletes you work with. Is there anything that either of y'all would say is just unique to those people who are running or walking that may be different from the swimmers or the tennis players or the lacrosse players that you're working with? I mean, the natural answer there is the competitive level, right? For okay. the most part. And and that's going to be different for everyone. You know, I don't really think there's a huge difference as far as how we would support them. Just knowing, you know, just like John was starting to talk about with the goal piece. Everyone that we work with, we, we want them to have a goal because that's really the whole point. And it, that could be true for if you're walking a few times a week or if you're, you know, trying to get your first 5K or if you're, you know, logging a ton of miles to get to that half or that full marathon. So whatever you're trying to do, we're just looking for the goal there. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say the process is that much different because the self-awareness is still really important. Um, as far as where are you at currently 
is that where you want to be or not? Um, and if not, then where are you trying to go? Um, and what we look at that that we try to think about as far as how we can progress people forward with mental skills is really thinking of it if you're stuck at an intersection. We all know when we're stuck in traffic, sitting at a traffic light, right? So pretend that that intersection is the place where the disconnect of that uncomfortable feeling of knowing you want to be somewhere, but you're not there right now. Yep. So you're at the intersection of that disconnect and all of the barriers that are in your way to getting there. Maybe it's time management and you just suck at that. Let's all be honest, I'm not the greatest yep. at that either. Uh, maybe it's fear of putting yourself out there and going towards this goal. Maybe it's just not having the appropriate support from people in your life to make that goal a reality, right? So you're sitting at that intersection of disconnect and all of your barriers. We like to think of mental skills as kind of your GPS of helping you to get where you want to go next. So this is such a great roadmap. I mean, you guys are just putting this station by station for us to get on the tracks and go. And, and I, mm -hmm. people who have listened to this podcast know, love we, or know that we love to do this. And that is, so you have to be more self-aware, become self-aware, take note and set a goal. And it may not be one, two, three, but if those three things are not in place, it's probably unlike, likely that sports psychology training is going to become a positive difference in their pursuits. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, And I think that's a plan I can follow. Be more self-aware, take note, and ensure I have a goal. Yeah, because I yeah. think at the end of the day, if you don't have that lineup of things, what that typically says to us is that you're not motivated or you don't care. And if that's the case and you're comfortable with that, do your thing. That's fine. It just probably means it's not a good fit for moving forward in sports psychology training because we are so in line with the have a goal, move forward, and let's use some mental skills to help you get there. Well, and we have plenty of people that we have the good fortune of seeing in our stores and guests that, that it's not that they don't care about their fitness routine or taking care of themselves. It's just, this is something I do and it doesn't sure. make them any more or less of a person if they don't have a 5K time or if they're not hitting every training marker on their plan. It's just, no, no, I'm doing a half marathon I know I'm gonna finish because I've done it before, but I'm not worried about my time. That's not the same person we're talking about here for sports psychology training. When you're talking about someone, it may not be somebody who is gonna finish at a particular time or even this being their first one, but it matters to them. Yes. Something matters, a goal has been set. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and, and just to reiterate, that goal doesn't have to be a metric within the race. It can just simply be, I wanna feel more confident in my racing gear. I want to be able to look in the mirror and feel like I just completed a half marathon and look like I've just completed a half marathon. And whatever that means to that person, that's a big piece of this too. Is it doesn't have to be a metric within the sport. As long as it's a metric that you care about, this is the type of training that you want to take seriously. So I, I love that and it, it takes me to my next question. It's one that I did not want to ask right out of the gates because it, it requires, I think, some real honesty. And John, you mentioned a type of goal that quite frankly in the organization where D2 and I work, I'm not so sure it works. we're big on smart goals, right? We want everything to be time bound. <laughs> we want it to be measurable. Yeah. And when we talk about, well, I just want to feel like an athlete when I look in the mirror, I'm not sure that's smart as it relates to being specific or measurable and all these other things that ART stand for. Mm -hmm. But I think it's an appropriate goal for sports psychology training if a couple of experts are telling us that. But now that for sure requires a level of honesty. If I look in the mirror, I have to be honest with myself. Do I feel like an athlete? 
And there are all kinds of other things that you would say line up only with how much honesty I'm willing to give myself. And I'll put myself out there. I am sure I lie, my, lie to myself plenty. I could be that person that again is gonna benefit from this because I'm not necessarily being honest with whether I have the confidence to do what I want to do, whether I'm beating myself up or letting myself off the hook for a workout that quite frankly needs to be done if I'm gonna achieve some kind of objective. Is that something that's hardwired into me and isn't really something that's overly changeable and I just kind of need to recognize where my strengths are and maybe play to those? Or is it one of those things that, that D2 and I are old dogs that could potentially learn a new trick and can start to think about things differently regardless of what we maybe have done or done to ourselves that's counter to what you're saying in the past? I can honestly say that uh, we would not have created intrepid performance if we believed you couldn't learn new tricks. I, I can wow, that's a big statement. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's at the heart and the core of what it is that we do. We, we built our company around three main principles. The first being that you get curious. We want to work with clientele that are interested in learning about pushing their own boundaries, which requires your ability to think about what else you can do and how else you can think. Uh, the second principle being that you'll train because this is a process and it takes trial and error and it takes effort on your part to do certain things. That's exactly what the third piece is and that's about being intrepid. The word itself is being steadfast uh, in the face of extreme adversity and coming out stronger than you started. That's the concept and that's the thing that we're looking at. I mean, we look at examples in the in the athletic world. I mean, Usain Bolt just retired one of the most amazing, mind-blowing careers of all time. He redefined sprinting. Um, we've got the two women uh, going one-two in the women's steeplechase. One of those mind-blowing experiences in, in, in sport. That so can we, can we say that? So literally, I just got back from London late last night. I oh, was, wow. So Jeez. I was at both of those. So wow. one of the things that I'm so curious about, and I want to, first of all, let me just Say this one more time, you've got this awesome business, you work with all kinds of clients of every age and ability, and yet you are willing to say that there would be no intrepid performance if it wasn't for the ability and the confidence that you have that people can change. Absolutely. So for all of us that are just like, oh, we're just stuck. That's the way we are, that's in our DNA, that's the way we were made, it is impossible to be any different than that. You would say, that's not true, hold on to some hope and then do some of these things and change is possible. That's a big statement, that's awesome. Yeah. So okay, let's go back to this illusion, I suppose, that sure. some people would have that Usain Bolt, whenever he shows up, he's just gonna win, because he didn't, right? He had a very disappointing world championship. Sure. Whether you think about the bronze, which was what nobody kind of anticipated, or the four by 100 that was a complete collapse for the Jamaican team. Sure. And I've got some of my own considerations that have to do with a bigger picture for Usain that maybe we'll talk about <laughs> at a different time or in a different part of even this podcast. Give me the sports psychology behind how he shows up in London. I was in Rio as well, where he was a superstar, right? Sure. And everything that was the storyline people would have wanted written for him came out exactly as you would have written it. What happened? From a sports psychology standpoint, what would you just say? What's your professional opinion about what happened in London? I, I think it'd be tough for me to presume what, what Usain Bolt was, was thinking or what was going on because of, of his level of athlete, but it's possible that he retired in Rio. Here, 
uh, yeah, between kind of the years. Emotionally yeah. and maybe emotionally, mentally or mentally, psychologically, right. his retirement had already happened. Right. So, you know, then I mentioned this to D2, and, and I think this you'll find this interesting. So the last night that the games were going on, it was kind of a time filler. They did this tribute to Usain. You could tell the whole thing had been put together long before the World Championships ever started. But then now this tribute goes on, and he's going to do this lap around the track, and they're going to play a video. And the whole thing is just, it's uncomfortable. The Jamaicans are kind of, you know, a little bit less enthusiastic. They're an enthusiastic group. Yeah. They're not that fired up about it. Everybody else is kind of like, yeah, this is cool. I'm glad we're seeing them. I'm glad we're here. But you can kind of tell that the storyline had been written that this was his retirement. Now this video gets done. Now he makes his lap around the track, mm -hmm. and everybody's just, you know, beside themselves. I think that's what happened. I think you're right. I think that maybe emotionally, psychologically, he retired when he left Rio. And yeah. I don't know what his training looked like. I have no idea what he spent his time in London doing. But my goodness, I hadn't thought about the fact that his retirement, even if not played out for the sure. organizers of the World Championships, had maybe already played out at a certain level in his own mind that made any type of performance that what, different than what we saw actually come together. Yeah, well, and I think it just goes to show that even at the pinnacle of your sport, things can go not as planned, sure. right? And so that's one of the things that we look at, regardless of your level, is how do you bounce back from that? You know, how do you deal with that mistake or that emotion of defeat or failure? Um, and who knows what went through his head or what his training was like or what he did or didn't do on that very day, but the, the outcome is the same, right? The outcome is it didn't go as pretty much anyone expected. And so it's interesting to think psychologically and you know, mentally, what is he going through at that point and how is he dealing with that? So let's, let's stay here for a second because Usain Bolt's on a completely different level. And <laughs> even though it's a bronze, it was incredibly fast, right? Of course. Sure. And the first three legs of the Jamaican four by 100 were really, really fast. People will maybe forget that they weren't in first when he had his cramp or whatever happened with right. his hamstring. But we all have that happen. Our result isn't what we thought. And it may not be a time on the clock. It may not be a place in the race. It may just be, gosh, I had hoped to sign up for this and then life got in the way. I wanted to finish this with my daughter, but we just couldn't get our schedules to align for that weekend. What do we do when we have a result that isn't really what we had maybe hoped for or even planned or put forth all the effort we thought was necessary? How do we kind of get to the other side of that? I think, you know, one of the, the pieces here is, again, starting with the self-awareness. How do you typically deal with those things? Uh, because some of us can figure out we don't deal with them well consistently, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but then it's, it's making that choice. Um, and mental skills training is a part of that in terms of learning particular skills, whether it's thoughts, which we call self-talk, so how you're talking to yourself through that mistake. Um, it could also come into your belief system. So Carol Dweck has done a ton of work in the context of mindset. So whether you feel that you're more growth oriented, where you can make improvements over time, and therefore after a mistake, you're able eventually to let that go and to learn from it and move on versus if you feel like you have more of a fixed mindset where, oh my gosh, that mistake defines who I am and it dictates what I'm going to do moving forward, which of course can be debilitating. Sure. Um, and so looking again at, at where you feel like you typically fall with your mindset, at least in the context of your sport from that mistake can be really enlightening. 
Um, but the truth is, much like John was talking about with anyone can change, anyone can get better, we believe anyone can adopt a growth mindset. Um, and a lot of the research has proven that as well as, as additional support. Um, and so I think just recognizing that it's possible and again, just a variety of mental skills could be beneficial to make that change over time. Well, I think it goes back to what you said earlier, John, about taking note. I mean, and and I I suppose that in most instances, psychoanalyzing something comes off as a negative consideration. But thinking back and taking note of what happened and how you felt and what was going on and being honest with yourself about, did I really hit the markers I needed to? Did I really commit myself to this? Did I really do everything I thought I would? is an important consideration. And once you take those notes, if you're honest with yourself, you can make the adjustments as necessary. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know that we're gonna have that happen with you saying this, I think it really is <laughs> in retirement. I, yeah. So whatever he's done to kind of analyze right. his performance in London, we may never see the results of that. But for the rest of us, that we're never gonna be on a world championship stage anyway, and that whatever our pursuits are, are still just as important as his, even if the world won't know about them, I think that's an important consideration. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's about finding those small moments of greatness that, that you're gonna see all around you. Uh, we were lucky to be involved in a Couch to 5K program last summer uh, where we were performing some sports psychology training and some coaching, and we watched two women who had never run before in their entire lives finish not eight weeks later. Ran the whole time. and. That, to me, would be on the same platform of success as Usain Bolt's career because they just did something that's going to change their lives forever. That's awesome. That's a big deal. Well, I think it's on the same level. I thought about this and mentioned this to somebody who I was with. I'm a little bit of a sap anyway, right? When I see somebody do something (laughs) really, really cool and I see somebody finish their first 5K, it's tough for me not to have tears kind of well in my eyes or just want to go up there and give them a hug. When the national anthem is being played, when we think about those two women who had had performed at that level at the hurdles, it was the same emotion. So for me, it's like, gosh, it's no different than watching world-class athletes get the gold and the silver as what it is watching somebody accomplish their goal, even if it's a 40-minute 5K. But it's their first one, and they work so hard to get there, and they certainly aren't going to stop now that they've achieved it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about performance is that it happens all around us. And seeing those smaller achievements sometimes, you know, while it's great to to obviously have what happened in the steeplechase and absolutely incredible, like when you know those people that have made those huge accomplishments and sacrificed so much to get there, that's incredible. Yep. Right? Ah. All right, so now we're talking about success as opposed to when we don't don't hit our targets. Thinking about whether it's a client you've had in running or walking or what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle or somewhere else. Let's let's stay with this success thing and, and what are some of the things that you've seen just happen that are very specific when people have achieved mental skills and they have achieved their goal, whatever it might be. What are some of the things that, that seem to go hand in hand in those success stories or are pretty consistent in those success stories you've been part of or that you've seen lived out in front of you? Yeah, I you know, I think first and foremost, when we think of success, we typically dictate that as an accomplishment that has value, right? And so I will say we've been very fortunate to have some amazing clients who have gone on to do some really incredible things, such as like go on to Olympic trials. Uh, be able to continue their sport in college, sometimes on a scholarship. 
Um, and even do things at the high school level, like qualifying for junior Olympics or qualifying for their national meet or, or whatever that competition is. And so I think that's what most people are looking for of, of what is that type of success, right? Um, but kind of on the note of the Couch to 5K folks, I think those smaller moments are sometimes even more important of looking at when do they finally have that light bulb moment of this mental skill or this intervention plan of skills kind of coming together and, and working in, in fluidity. When they have that moment of everything is finally clicking and then they see success in their goals because of that, that to me is the most rewarding part of what we do. Um, and would you say, based on what some, something you just mentioned there, Abby, that there are maybe sub-goals or little things along the way that be, sure. should become highlights that are celebrated? Absolutely. Is that pretty consistent for those clients that, that ultimately reach that mark? Yeah, and I, I think that's very much a part of the goal process. You know, I mean, goals, like you were talking about earlier, can be smart. Um, some people come to us with goals that aren't smart, and that's mm -hmm. part of our job to try to figure out how can we create this in a little bit more of a, a constructive way that is something you can actually be working towards. But sure, yes, we want people to have the process, again, of smaller things coming along. And some of that is just developing mental skills and being able to use that as a part of their performance. So a couple of examples, since you were talking about how did the mental skills work with the goal process, uh, we thought of a couple of, of clients that we felt were pretty representative of how things can go as far Perfect. as that they put in the work and and really embrace that process of getting towards their goal. So for example, you know, we've had clients who are really good at figuring out what type of effective self-talk or effective thinking really works for them in their performance um, and using that to be able to overcome mistakes like we were talking about or using that to really just get them where they need to be in the moment to have the best performance possible. Um, another one that's huge and you'll hear talked about a lot is in people who are coming back from injury, rebuilding their confidence. So taking the time to really go through that process of what are the components of confidence and how do I take my time in getting back to my sport in a constructive way after I've gone through something fairly traumatic. Um, so that's a, another really big one. I, I think, you know, we talk about performance routines quite a bit. Um, and really that's combining a lot of mental skills to be able to, to have control and consistency. And the thing is, I mean, think about your running. You probably have some sort of a routine, but for the most part, what we find, it's not consistent, so you don't do the same thing every time, right? And it, perhaps it doesn't have the most appropriate skills that are kind of through that trial and error approach that you found have worked for you. Um, so we help a lot of athletes put together the most appropriate performance routine to help them perform at their best when it really matters. So those are just a couple of examples. Are these things that are available that we might put in our show notes? These Because these are great practical steps and it allows us to hold ourselves accountable too. Because if we're not doing these things, my guess is we're not achieving the same kind of success that we're talking about here and that some of your clients have. Right, yeah. So one thing that I'm gonna kind of go back, you and I are having this conversation about SMART goals. For those of you who have not seen this, of course, there's all kinds of information online about how to set a SMART goal. It's an acronym for a goal that's specific, for measurable, for attainable. We use results at Big Peach Running Company that we can really say this is a result that we can sink our teeth into and go forward either as an individual or as a team. Some would say it's rewarding or is this something you really, really want? And then that T, 
in SMART is timely or time bound, meaning you have a specific amount of time that you've given yourself to accomplish that goal. So I just wanted to kind of pull that out since we can have this conversation sure. where we all know what a SMART goal is. I know many members of our audience may as well, but for those who do not, now you do. Again, we'll put that in our show notes. Okay, what else from a practical standpoint would you say that is just a tip or two for that person who's beyond where I will be tomorrow when I become more aware of my sports psychology training and has gone down the road a little bit and feels like they're making progress, what would you say is another tip? It's like, no, here's where you keep going or here's what you're gonna wanna be mindful of after you've accomplished goal number one, but you still have goals in the future where sports psychology training is gonna be equally as important to deploy. Sure, I think um, uh, what you'd wanna do is probably tap into tap back into your awareness and, and think about those few things that are still holding you back. Um, so if, if you've started to t- take a good note on what it is that you're thinking and you're starting to transform it more into an effective thought process, which means that the things that you're saying to yourself push you forward, right? They're not holding you back. Um, you'd want to probably tap into expertise. You want to start, again, getting curious about what it is that's going to make you tick further. Um, and, and we do we see a lot of blogs and articles out there in the vein of sports psychology as we're becoming more of a recognized field, but making sure that you're tapping into the right resources, if you will, um, just like you're going to take advice from someone you run with occasionally as a coach, but you're going to take Arthur Arthur Lydiard or Jack Daniels a little bit more seriously, mm-hmm. right? Uh, from the f- the famous coaches world book, right? So, and this- for the record, since we already talked about smart goals, there is a running coach for those of you who do yeah. not know this, whose name is Jack Daniels. Correct. So <laughs> we are yes, going to yeah, get into yeah, John's right. affinity different. for all the yeah. different types of Jack Daniels people <laughs> might have thought about when you mentioned his name, right. but just to put that out, there. different Jack Daniels, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you'd wanna you wanna find a coach, a consultant that can listen to what it is that's going on in your experience and try and fine tune some of the more intricate and layered skills. Um, maybe things like imagery or visualization, um, like a, a six month goal setting program that will take smart and make it just one seventh of the process. Um, and if you already heard about you just heard about what smart means, just imagine wait a second, that's only one seventh of the process. And having someone kind of guide you through that, but going beyond the blog articles and the and the Books. runner's world editorials and the 101s for dummies, right? Those are written for your general population. You are not general population, you are you. And it's important to take what you are thinking and what you are doing in your lifestyle and taking all these skills and making them yours. Uh, And that's where expertise is gonna come through. Well, I love what you said earlier. The term you used, John, was curious. Mm -hmm. And when you started, Abby, you mentioned questions and asking yourself questions that are individual. And staying curious and asking questions about yourself and about what else is out there and then going to those experts, that mindset, whether it's at the onset, like me tomorrow, Mm -hmm. or someone who has some achievement in his or her past, but still asking questions about themselves and what else can be done and staying curious, mm-hmm. that's that's a big part, I think, for all of us, regardless of where we are on our practicing of sports. Easy for me to say, practicing of sports psychology and all it can do for us. Yeah. Here's the thing that we know. This is not just 
for athletics. It's certainly not just for a pedestrian active lifestyle. So now we look at life in general. We look at all of those who you work with and all of those who are listening. What are some of the things that you believe have lots of application in personal lives, in professional lives, as a student, as a parent, as someone who is very much in his or her youth and someone who is much older than that? What are just some of the things that are applicable no matter what the aspect might be? You're our sports yeah. psychology consultants. You're our experts. Sure. But I know it doesn't just stop at yeah. the goal line. It doesn't just stop at the finish line. It doesn't just stop at whatever the mm-hmm. end of the pool might be. This kind of stuff, I have to believe, has application on both sides of the door at home. In the office, whether you're in the corner office with the big view, or you start tomorrow and you end up in the cube. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right. This always is going to go beyond the performance of your sport. Uh, and, and it needs to be um, because life doesn't stop when you stop running. It doesn't stop when you lace up or when you take your shoes off, right? And uh, it's good that we're already seeing and hearing about this connection because that's something that we take great pride in that we're going to push our clientele to do. At the end of every single session, we ask them to reflect on what it is that they learned and then what they're gonna do with it next. And it's, we, we push them to say, all right, great, so you did that in your sport, but where else are you gonna take this? Like in the boardroom, right? Uh, I think public speaking is the number one fear in the country. I've heard that. And it should be spiders, by the way. <laughs> right? Just, Just so you know, it, it should be spiders, but it's not. I think it's snakes. That's all right, fair enough, all right, I'll give you snakes, that's okay. Uh, it, but I mean, public speaking, that's a confidence thing, right? That's not seeing yourself being successful in your mind. That's what are you saying to yourself that's making you so uncomfortable? Um, we've got a standardized testing world, right? That's a performance in itself. That's a championship mm-hmm. race. Um, thinking about the types of energy you're bringing to the table. Being mindful of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, when I was running in college, I can't tell you how many times people would be listening to that, that really amped up music, hard metal or hard rock or yep. rap, whatever it was, and they'd get amped up and then they don't perform well because maybe what they should have been listening to was a, a nice classical music piece because they needed to be a little bit more cooled down. Um, it, so thinking about the whole picture everything that's between the ears and the heart in the mind and the body, right? It's a, it's a full and cohesive picture and you need to look at it in a holistic way. Um, reflect. Uh, I think if I were to give you a tip on it, it's reflect. What are the things that are holding you back? And if you're starting to take away certain things from your awareness and from your regulation notebook that you hopefully you'll be keeping after tomorrow, uh, is, where else am I going to take this? How else can I make this work in my relationships, in my workplace, in the school? In the school, um, Because there's no greater success for myself and for Abby when a client no longer needs to call us because they've gotten a new adversity thrown on their table and they know how to take a skill we've already talked to them about and they can apply it immediately. That's a big deal for us. That's what being intrepid is for us. That is super cool. And a question that he just said and whether he knew it was going to land on me the way it did, what are you going to do 
with this? What are you going to do with this? And that is a challenge now that we lay out for each and every one of you. We know that we have just scratched the surface with this. You two are so very much appreciated. Obviously, you're experts in this field and having a couple of sports psychology consultants on with us is something that quite frankly, I don't know that we would have thought about a few months ago, but goodness gracious, am I glad that we did it. So I will leave you one more time with this question. Now that you've heard this, we can get you started. We cannot do it here for you. What are you going to do with what you just heard from Abby and from John? Whether it has to do with your self-awareness, whether it has to do with just simply taking note or staying curious, obviously setting a goal, and then the other term, reflecting. John just said, having time to reflect on what you've done or perhaps not done. That is super cool. You've given me much to do for sure. For all of you out there, you can certainly learn more about them at intrepidperformance.com. You can connect with them via email. Of course, their email address is relatively simple, Abby or John at Intrepid Performance. They have an office. They don't necessarily want to see you there. One of the things that's super cool about them, they would prefer to see you in your environment, but they certainly would take a call or have somebody on their team pass along a message at 404-946-9331. We'll put all of this information in our show notes, of course, but believe me all, I am so much better for this time together. We appreciate you so very much. Thank you for being part of this. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Appreciate, we appreciate it. it. We've Thanks. got much more to come. That is not the finish line for us. D2, you've got more for us. I believe we have a podcast payout and we have other cool things when we get to the other side of our break. So don't go anywhere. This is the Run ATL podcast and we'll be back in just one minute. Running doesn't have to be hard and injuries don't have to be a part of your running experience. Learn how to run better through Big Peach Running Company's Transform Running Workshops. In this three-hour session, you'll learn three simple elements that not only improve your form, but also reduce the chances of injury, allowing you to run faster and make running more enjoyable. Sign up at BigPeachRunningCo.com and become the runner you've always thought you could be. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. We now are at the podcast payout. This is something we do regularly. It's an opportunity we have to learn something because of a question that you send us. So if you have a question that you think D2 and I will learn something, as well as all of our fellow listeners to this podcast, send it to us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. If your question is selected for any episode, we will send you a Run ATL T in the color and the size of your choice. And D2, we have a question that you and I are both fired up about. It is super timely. And in the research that we did, I learned a ton and I'm really looking forward to sharing this. What was the question? So yeah, this is a great question uh, coming from Will Nagel. So he says, my question centers around running in the 90 plus degree humid as heck summers here in Georgia. I'm running the Thanksgiving Day half marathon in Atlanta this year. My concern is the impact that the training and the heat will have on me. My mile times have been lower than normal due to the heat. Do you believe this will have a negative impact on me or will the hot running days be beneficial to me in the long run? That is a, it's a great question, but here's the thing I have to say is I've 
And I know there are a lot of people out there, and maybe this doesn't surprise anyone. Big Peach Running Company in our business, third quarter's our busiest quarter. And I think a lot of people intuitively think, well, gosh, where you have seasonal temperatures in the spring and the fall like you do in Atlanta, that's probably the busiest season. And there is certainly plenty of volume and lots of people who are out on the roads and on the track and on the trails. But summer, people just get after it in Atlanta. It's not just the Peachtree Road Race. There are so many reasons, whether it's schedules, whether it's increased daylight hours. But our this great city just gets after it in months like June and July and August and early September. But when this question came in, I was like, even though my instincts suggest it is going to be good for you, Will, not just now, but also in November when you're doing your race, I needed to do some research. So D2, and I did that, and we came up with stuff that I think very much supports that initial thought, but that you're going to be really, really happy to hear. So here's what we'll tell you. Research thus far says your training in July in August now will be very beneficial to you in November at the Thanksgiving Day Half Marathon. And for everybody else who has a race at that time or in fourth quarter, you'll be happy to know that what this type of training this time of year does, it first lowers your core temperature at the onset of sweating. So your body just has a lower temperature before it starts to perspire. The other thing that it does that every researcher seems to be very excited about is training in higher temperature. It increases your plasma volume. Your blood plasma volume goes up. And plasma, as just a quick reminder to those of you who, like me, aren't necessarily complete biologists knowing where all these things are and what they do, but it is the liquid component in your blood. When the volume of plasma is increased, it allows you to send blood to your skin to help cool your skin without compromising the supply of oxygen that is getting to your muscles. So an increased plasma volume is a good thing for us athletes. It also tends to decrease heart rate while it increases both oxygen consumption and exercise economy. One thing I did find in Outside Magazine that I thought was pretty cool, University of Oregon a number of years ago now did some research and indicated also that there are some inexplicable, and I'm quoting this from the article, changes to the heart's left ventricle, which further increases oxygen delivery to the muscles. So greater plasma volume and increased oxygen delivery to the muscles. And this is something that provides benefit regardless of what time of year you're doing your race. So pay the toll now, Will. It will absolutely work in your favor in November. Great question, D2. I'm glad we got that. I know I learned something and that is a podcast payout worth paying for sure. So thanks again, Will. Again, anybody can send us a question. The address, one more time, podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. And I think we'll just leave it right there. This has been an exciting episode with so much good information. Again, D2, thank you for being part of this. You are a gem, as are all of our listeners. We'll be back in just two weeks with the next version, installment nine of the Run ATL podcast. In the meantime, remember that we believe, and we hope you do too, that our best miles are going to be those that are covered on foot.